Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. A philosopher, a scientist, and a politician walk into a bar. How many of you are picturing three men right now? Happy International Women's Day. You're listening to Philosophy for Our Times. I'm Bridie, an assistant producer at the IAI, and today, to celebrate International Women's Day, I am bringing you a little bonus episode on the philosophy of womanhood. What is womanhood? How can we understand it, philosophically speaking? And what does it mean to be a woman in today's world? Our journey begins on the 29th of May in 1851. A group of women gathered in Akron, Ohio, They were there to speak in defence of their rights and to call for legal and moral reform. On the second day, an abolitionist previously known as Isabella Bomfrey, who now went by the name Sojourner Truth, took to the stage. She was the only woman speaking at the convention who had been held in slavery. Aged nine, she'd been sold with a flock of sheep for $100. Later, she would go on to be the first black woman to successfully challenge a white man in a US court. On that day, May 29th, she raised the point. What is it not only to be a woman and not only to be black, but to be both black and a woman? Where does that leave you in terms of your identity? What does that mean about how you fit into the notion of womanhood? Here's the poet, Alice Walker, reading an extract from the speech. I have borne 13 children and seen most all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? That man over there says that women need to be helped in the carriages and lifted over ditches and have the best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me in the carriages or over mud puddles or gives me any best place. And ain't I a woman? So, here's the perennial philosophical problem. When all women are different, how can there possibly be one thing that it means to be a woman? For Sojourner Truth, in 19th century America, being a woman meant one thing if you were white, it meant being helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and so on. But it meant an entirely different thing if you were black. It meant you were dealing with the brutal and recent reality of slavery. Sojourner was pointing out the specific injustices that women of colour were facing and urging those issues to be included in the way that everybody thought about womanhood. She was redefining womanhood. In today's terms, we might call this kind of approach intersectionality, a term coined by the legal theorist Kimberly Crenshaw. Here's Kimberly at the IAI's How the Light Gets In 2016 festival, explaining the idea further. Much of the work that that I've been involved in is to elevate another way of thinking 
uh, about feminism, another way of thinking about sisterhood. Um, I frame it as intersectionality. And so uh, I've been looking at some of the assumptions that underwrite how we tend to think about feminism. One assumption is that the universal woman is unmodified, a woman without a race, without a class, without a gender expression or sexuality. That woman, um, when she achieves equality, then we don't have to worry about gender inequality anymore. But it turns out that there is no such thing as a universal woman. There is no such thing as woman unmodified. And the problem is that so, so many laws, so many um, of our campaigns tend to assume that there is such a thing. So the point is that when we assume that feminism is only about a universal woman, we miss all the ways that women experience gender discrimination. Sometimes they experience it as women of color. Sometimes they experience it as um, women who are queer. Or sometimes they experience it as women who are working class. So all these inequalities that are seen as being left behind are not just left behind because there's something else. These are gender experiences as well. So as I see it, the, the real question is, can we use the notion of sisterhood to develop a more robust vision of feminism, one that is capable uh, and critical of some of the ways that patriarchy expresses itself across a whole range of differences? It's worth here just taking a minute to think about what's really going on philosophically when we talk about being a woman or womanhood. Because, of course, part of the problem we're having is a classic one to do with the gap between language and experience. Anytime we talk about being a woman, we're making a claim about an experience that we're having, but maybe language is inadequate to describe experience, and that's why we can't pin down what being a woman is. This sounds kind of dry and academic, but it's actually pretty intuitive. In fact, the more I've thought about it, the more I've realised just how profound this gap can seem. Have you listened to any music lately? Maybe something with piano. Can you describe the sound? What's it really like to listen to your favourite song? To stub your toe? To win a prize? To be in love? Just for fun, I asked some members of the IAI team to try and describe some experiences that they just had. That I made them just have. Okay, hi, I'm Izzy and I am the marketing manager for the IAI. Hi, I'm Helena, I'm marketing and communications assistant at the IAI. Uh, hi, I'm Anna and I am the development executive at the IAI. We're sitting in our offices and Bridie has blindfolded us. Okay, now I'll just hold it. My hands are really clammy. I'm scared. Is it an animal? No. Okay. So, like, can you describe what is it that you're holding? Um, it feels like some kind of um, piece of cutlery. It feels slimy on top and it's wobbly at the bottom. It feels like um, salt or sugar is sticking on my fingers. See if you can like smell anything on the end or like taste anything. Am I gonna get? Taste. Am I gonna get messy? Is this like a sexual health thing? <laughs> doesn't really have a smell. Oh, it's like a spice that's quite a dull spice. It's like something you'd put to make it flavourful, but it's actually disgusting. Please don't let me taste it. I think you should taste it. What? Really? Yeah. Really? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Honey. 
Lemon to, to no, absolutely. Can you explain what you're experiencing with uh, language? Um, 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 like powder. Um, it's really sour. Can you just put it in your mouth again? Again, but then I can't talk. It's so sour. So the point of it was, I'm doing this bit <laughs> in the podcast about how we can't explain what womanhood is because to know what it is, you have to have experienced it. So like, do you think that's fair or true? Or like, do you think that that, like, do you think the taste of a lemon maps onto the experience of being like, say, harassed in the street at all in the way that you can't explain it? I can understand the experience of living womanhood. Sometimes things are like inexplicable unless they've happened to you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a disconnect but, that you can't be allowed to explain So is the purpose of that to say that if, unless you can see it, you can't really explain it? Yeah, like I guess you then get to this point, right, where it's, difficult because what you're saying is no one can understand anything unless you've experienced it I see yeah. what you mean but then yeah. that kind of holds conversation a little bit I guess mm. interesting all this to say that having an experience is completely different to hearing that experience described there are limits to our language including when we talk about being a woman which is why feminists advocate for women's voices being heard on the issues that matter to them there are, they say, just some things that men can't understand, no matter how we describe them. The novelist Joanna Cavena spoke about this in a generic way at our 2015 festival. Limits attend to any mortal experience. We are all limited. Our perspective on the universe is not omniscient, so vantage point within language, we relay a limited perspective in what one assumes is a human system and thereby limited. So this awareness of limits, I think, is incredibly important for an individual trying to navigate what is beyond um, her or him. Um, I'm going to end with good old Virginia Woolf, who's so eloquent despite the limits of language. And she says, words are full of echoes, memories of associations. They have been out and about in people's houses, in the streets, in the fields for many centuries. They are the wildest, the freest, most irresponsible, most unteachable of all things. You can catch them and place them in alphabetical order in dictionaries, but words do not live in dictionaries, they live in the mind. I like this quote, because if Wolf is indeed right that words live in the mind, then it seems right to say that the word woman has been living in the minds of men for centuries. Men have been the ones defining who and what women can be. Men's definition of womanhood is why we've seen women as being hysterical or superficial, undeserving of suffrage or equal pay, or only useful insofar as we can pop out children. But once we recognise that women are the best authority on our own experiences, we can start to resist, reshape and redefine what it means to be a woman, just as Sojourner Truth did over 100 years ago. And, crucially, men can be part of that movement by listening to and trusting women on what we say. But don't just trust me on this. After all, the whole point of this episode has been to make an argument for listening to a diverse range of experiences. I gave a few women a call to chat being a woman. Here's Duma McKeekin. She's a comedian and actress. She's spoken at our festival on a ton of stuff, including feminism. Hi, Bridie. Hi, how's it going? Good, thanks. So what exactly is it? So I'm just producing this bonus episode of our podcast and I'm kind of having like loads of people talk about being a woman in 2018. So, yeah. Wow, brilliant. Yeah. Well, you have to tell me, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> such a Luddite. I've never listened to a podcast in my <laughs> life. Brill. 
I've, I've been in such a man's world for so many years. It's, um, it's actually a really exciting time to be a woman because so many myriad forms of oppression that have kept women silent are suddenly in a kind of ruthless spotlight. Painful though it is, women are sort of starting to see glimmers of hope and light and opportunity all around them, which is really amazing. Now, after all the pain that's been forged in the past, to finally start taking sort of what's ours, and really to fight inequality with brothers, our brothers who can only benefit from the continued you know, emancipation of half the world and um, we don't want to become segregated in this fight. We all need to fight together. But I feel really positive and really there feels like a real flourishing at the moment. So, yes, onwards. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm Eleanor Knox and I'm a philosopher of physics at King's College London. I'm a woman in a very male-dominated field, but I'm lucky in that I think I was brought up with a very expansive conception of what it was to be a woman. And I haven't felt much explicit clash between that and the kind of thing that I've chosen to do. Although things are a little different at the moment because I'm heavily pregnant with my second daughter. Um, so I walk into every room full of men feeling like some kind of prehistoric icon of fertility. Um, so if I have one hope for the future, I suppose it's that um, our conceptions of women as mothers and childbearers become ever more compatible with the kind of expansive, inclusive, um, broad conception of womanhood that I think we've sometimes achieved elsewhere. I'm Ariane Shireen and I'm a writer. Being a woman in 2018, for me, means going to work in a full-time high-paid job while my husband collects my daughter from school, takes care of her and looks after the house. It means talking through my problems in therapy and with my husband instead of accepting my lot in life. It means loving my family wholeheartedly and working hard to give us all the best life I can. It means being happy. My name is Jennifer Nadel. I'm an activist, broadcaster and writer. And my latest book is called We, a Manifesto for Women. It feels as if a huge shift has taken place in the last year. Trump and Brexit have shown us that we are all needed as activists now. And now we have the amazing Me Too campaign, which has created so much more visibility for our struggle. But we still have economic and structural inequalities, which keep most of the women on this planet in shackles. So I would love 2018 to be the year that we truly create a global movement to address the underlying causes. One which recognises that whatever our differences, we as women are all on the same side. Here's Margaret Heffernan, an international businesswoman and author. I live for the day when we don't have to celebrate International Women's Day. Because every day is International Women's Day, International Men's Day, International Human Being Day. I live for the day when reason, friendship, equality and freedom are something that women and children, men, old and young, can celebrate together. None of that sounds very radical, it just seems a long way off. In the meantime, I, to the degree that I celebrate International Women's Day, it's as an occasion when we can reach out to women around the world and know that what we share in common 
is hope, ambition, optimism, and a refusal to settle until women everywhere are treated as equal people of equal worth. My name's Marianne Seacart. I'm a journalist, broadcaster, and a writer. And I'm really excited about being a woman in 2018 because I feel that at last, at last, after centuries really, women's voices are being listened to and women's complaints about how badly they've been treated are being listened to. This is not an act of charity by men. It's the fact that they're actually being threatened with losing their jobs if they act in a brutish and a sexist way towards women. So it may only be fear that's doing it, but at last, men are being forced to listen to what women have had to put up with over the years, the decades and the centuries. And I think that's a very good thing. Here's Finn Mackay. She is an activist and researcher. She teaches at the University of the West of England. Gosh, what a question. What is that like? I'm constantly inspired by all the achievements of women that I see in the world. And it does feel good, you know, that that makes me, I suppose, feel proud to see what women are achieving. And, and of course, I'm a feminist because I'd like to see what we could achieve if we didn't have all that outright hostility, discrimination, violence and physical exclusion from the places of power and influence. So that, for me, is the positive message of feminism. You know, it exists in that space of potential that women have, and I can only imagine what great things women will go on to achieve as those barriers come crumbling down, as I'm sure they will continue to do. Canon Rosie Harper, CV Vicar. I would love to say that I'm someone who's really hopeful about being a woman in 2018. When I was a teenager, I, I had this incredible sense of emerging into a world that would be so much better for women. But the truth is, I actually feel fairly depressed and negative. I think uh, it's really tough to be a teenager in this country at the moment, a teenage girl. So I feel we need to pass on the message to the next generation and I'm afraid the fight just has to go on. Hello, my name is Dr. Brooke Mignanti. I'm perhaps better known as ex-call girl Belle du Jour. I'm a writer, scientist and activist. In 2018, I hope we understand what a broad church womanhood is, that our strength is in inclusion, not exclusion. We're stronger as a group when we acknowledge being a woman is not simply chromosomes or genitals or some arbitrary criterion that misses so much of human existence. Being a woman in 2018 means taking time to listen. I learn the most from women who are least like me and whose worlds I may never experience. We are all part of the rich tapestry that is womanhood. Let me know what being a woman means to you by tweeting at iii underscore tv. This episode was produced and edited by me, Bridie Addison-Child, with help from Irene Carter. Thanks for listening and a happy International Women's Day. See you next Tuesday for more Philosophy for Our Times. <laughs>